Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Growth League, a podcast at the intersection of personal and professional growth. To get us inspired for the week, every Monday, I seek out remarkable women leaders and we uncover their rule for growth. These rules are like shortcuts to success, and hopefully we can use them to save some time and heartache on our way to achieving what's possible. This week's rule from our guest, Marie Rosecrans, is plan for the antibodies. This episode is brought to you by Influence & Co., a content marketing company that helps you create content that drives measurable business results. I'm thrilled to have the support of a leading woman-owned business. Kelsey Raymond, Influence & Co.'s owner and CEO, has been dedicated to educating businesses on using content to drive results for over 10 years. Her expertise has been featured in publications like Business Insider, Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, and many more. You can visit influenceandco.com slash growth. They made me my very own website to learn more about the results they help companies achieve. I am Diana Kander, and like you, I feel the call to grow. I'm a Midwestern mom of two and have a career as a keynote speaker and growth consultant but you don't learn when you're doing all the talking. So I wanted to create this show as a tool to help me level up my own game by learning from others. I invite you to join me for these mind-blowing, perspective-shifting conversations. Think of this show as the perfect way to get into a growth headspace for the whole week. And if you like the show and you want to hear more, please don't forget to leave us a review. I absolutely love this week's rule from our guest Marie Rosecrans, plan for the antibodies. It really just means remember that when you have a plan for something, there's going to be stuff that goes wrong. And that includes people who might not like your idea. And so you have to figure out how to work with them to win them over. But first, let me tell you more about Marie. She is Salesforce's go-to-market senior vice president and right now leads a team of over 75 people globally. Prior to joining Salesforce in 2008, Marie held positions at Oracle and PeopleSoft. She lives in San Francisco, with her husband of over 23 years and two teens. And Marie is an avid hiker. Marie might have gotten really good at dealing with the antibodies, but she's also experienced some of the pitfalls of overworking herself. And in this conversation, we talk about her techniques for balancing her work life with caring for herself. Here's Marie. Well, you've written about how you decided to recalibrate your mind away from being busy and being stressed out because you found yourself in a hotel with a self-inflicted case of stress-induced shingles. First of all, I need to understand like how bad it got. I didn't even know that was a thing. And then we can talk about what you did as a result. Yeah. So, you know, I am the type A personality. And so I was sitting in a hotel room across from, I think, the Target Center in Minneapolis, growing a rash on the side of my body. And then, of course, going to every website to try to figure out what exactly was wrong with me. 
discovered that I had shingles um, in my late 30s. And lo and behold, hopped a plane after, of course, my business trip had officially ended and uh, ended up in that doctor's office. And I'll never forget, she asked me if I was saving lives or curing cancer. And I said, (laughs) no, I'm actually a marketer. And she said, uh, lady, there is no reason why you at your age should be having shingles um, and certainly not shingles induced by stress. Oh, my gosh. And how old were you at the time? I think I was about 36, 37 years old. And and what happened? What had led you to this? Um, you know, I still think I'm hard charging, but I was particularly hard charging um, then. I was uh, had this role that had me responsible for leading all of the field marketing events for the central region of the U.S. I felt incredibly, incredibly accountable to my stakeholders, to my sales leaders, and I was working really night and day while also trying to manage being, you know, a fairly good wife and mother, uh, traveling a lot um, at the time. And, and that's kind of what led to the situation at hand. Oh, my gosh. I want to get into what you did as a result. Tell mm-hmm. me how that changed your perspective. Yeah, it was certainly an eye-opening moment for me because I knew, you know, certainly the doctor's questions were really profound. I was not saving babies and I was certainly not curing cancer. That said, I'd always uh, placed a huge weight and part of my self-identity on the work and my work product, but it was starting to adversely affect my health very clearly. And so it really forced me to check myself. There have been moments throughout my career, moments like that, where I've had to take a step back and really realize that, wow, working the way that I'm working at the pace that I'm working is not doing my own health. It's not doing my own sanity. And it's certainly not doing those around me any favors. What was the effect of it besides the shingles? The effects physically were naturally this terrible rash. I think also the effects were that I had long-standing effects for about a year tingling in my body and whatnot. The effects mentally, though, were that um, I knew that I had done this to myself and that I was needed to um, rethink how I was applying myself to everything that I did. And so that's what the effect was, that I, I needed to make a change. And I think it was shortly thereafter that I actually changed roles to a role that didn't require me to travel as much, that allowed me to be more present, um, at least at home, though the role that I took on was certainly very challenging. It was different, and it allowed me to extend myself in new places and not stress myself out so much. Well, now as we sit 10 to 15 years down the road, how do you make sure that something like that doesn't happen again? Well, One of the things I wasn't doing at the time was taking time for myself. And one of the most notable changes I made after that was creating space for self-care. 
what I was finding was every weekend I was running to the gym and working out really, really hard and saying, okay, this is the week where I'm going to do it during the week too. But I was finding myself being overtaken by work demands. I was checking email before I went to the gym. And if an email came in that was what I deemed to be high priority, it was skip the gym and do the email and hop on the laptop. And so it was actually after that incident that I said, you know what, I'm going to take the time every day. And I literally have been working out six days a week since that date when no I decide facts. That is actually <laughs> true. As my teenagers like to say, that is facts. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I have been religious about creating that space and that's evolved as well. But I found that I wasn't taking the time for self-care. And as a result, it was having these adverse effects on my health and in creating that space every day, and mind you, it is an it is at an ungodly hour for most, but for me, it was so incredibly important. And so that is a change that I'm so proud of because even through job changes, even through upheaval in my life, that is my time and I hold it really, really dear to me. One of your pieces of advice to up-and-coming leaders is to plan for the antibodies. I'm very curious about this piece of advice. Yeah, probably five or six years ago, one of my most favorite and most respected bosses told me, you need to plan for the antibodies. And what that means is you need to be prepared for the fact that you're not always going to be liked, that not everyone is going to love your idea. In fact, some folks may actually not want you to succeed. And so how do you find a plan B or a plan C to get those folks, if they're never going to become raving fans, you do want them to align and commit. And so how are you going to get there? And that was incredible, incredible advice and advice that I actually still give to a lot of people because you'd be surprised by how many folks might not necessarily be proponents of the work that the great work that you're doing, even if you think it's great. You know, this show is the intersection of personal and professional growth. And when I read that this was like one of your favorite pieces of it, of advice, I felt like it really applied to your personal life as much as it does to your professional life and the goals that you set for yourself. Do you feel that way? I do. Absolutely. I mean, but that the plan for the antibodies is just my commitment to being prepared. And I am always prepared. In fact, almost to a fault. I think I overinvest oftentimes in the preparation. And as part of the preparation, it's always being conscientious of what else can come up, right? And some of those things can be very positive. Some of those things can be negative or constructive. And that's what planning for the antibodies is all about really looking beyond just what you're thinking about in the here and now and thinking about, okay, what else might come up positive or negative or constructive that I need to account for in my preparation? 
I often feel like whenever I have goals that I set for myself, that it's the antibodies that get me, <laughs> you know, like my own brain kind of slowing things down for me. Yeah. The antibodies though can oftentimes provide the most growth. Isn't an antibody something that's preventing you from having good health, right? And so it's kind of fun and challenging to counter what those are and figure out a way to either mitigate those or make those right. And I think that's one of the things that I love doing is, you know, making people supporters when they showed up as detractors. And that's, I, I, there's nothing more rewarding than that. Well, maybe we could break this down a little. Let's say you're launching a new project or you set a goal for yourself and you want to properly plan for the antibodies. What's like a three-step process that you kind of go through to make sure they're not going to get in your way? Well, first of all, you have to first identify who they are or what those and what they're motivated by, right? So that's step number one. Step number two is what do you think you need to do to change their mind or become advocates? And number three is all about the execution, following through on those steps that you've identified. And then I'll add a fourth step, going back and making sure that those steps worked. And if they didn't figure out some new steps to execute on. You've written a lot about the importance of empathy as a leader. And I wonder if you have any advice on how to get that self-awareness of how people are actually treating others as a leader, because I find that that's the area where leaders have the largest perception gap, like of how they think they're doing. One of the things or guiding principles that I use in developing empathy is how would I feel if I was on the opposite side of the table, or if I was the recipient of this information, or if I was in this conversation I want to be spoken to, I want to be treated, I want to be respected in the same way that I would want to be. And it's been so pivotal to me in the way that I've not only affected my life, but also my career. So one of the things that I do is I write a lot of personal notes, writing personal notes where you actually stick a pen to paper and tell people about how much they mean to you and what type of impact they've had on you is something that I look to do. In fact, I'm going to age myself here, but I turned 50 in 2020. What a, what a year to turn 50. <laughs> and I wrote 50 letters to the 50 people who had the most formative impact on my career. I will say this, I've also had the good fortune of receiving so many of those letters throughout my career. So I know I've had that kind of impact. In fact, I have one right here, right next to me. I just received last week, um, the card says, thanks a million. And the person wrote to me and said, was so grateful for the type of impact that I've had on their career, um, not only professionally, as a marketer. But I think the best gift to me was when she said, you've really shown me what it means to show up like a working, a great working mom. How do you do that, Marie? Well, I definitely do not have the secret recipe because my kids will tell you that. 
I think the one thing that I do is I admit my flaws and I admit my failures and I just try to do the best that I can. One of the other ways that I do that is I speak openly and vulnerably about the highs and lows about being a working parent. I think one of the things that I've spoken openly about was when I first became a mom and started working, I didn't necessarily promote that I was a mom, I hid that because I didn't necessarily think that that was going to help me in my career. In fact, I thought it was going to hurt me in my career. And what I've discovered over the years is that first and foremost, that's inauthentic. Secondly, who I am as a mom affects who I am professionally and that I can be the best in both categories if I talk openly about both. Building a successful business online can be challenging. From creating a standout online presence and building a marketing strategy to the technical side of running a website, it's a lot to manage. And that's exactly where Wix comes in. It offers a complete business solution with all the features that you need to create, manage, and grow online. You can build your website exactly the way that you want with thousands of design features that have been created with your needs in mind. Wix has strong infrastructure in place, providing you with reliable hosting and fast loading times, meaning as a user, you'll have faster performing websites for your customers anywhere in the world. And on top of it all, you get marketing and business tools built into your website dashboard, making it even easier for you to reach the right audiences. So head over to Wix.com and join millions of people growing their business online today. What if you could use science to discover more about your body all year long? Give yourself more clarity and better understand your health and wellness with EverlyWell at-home lab tests. EverlyWell at-home lab tests give you physician-reviewed results and personalized insights so you can take action on your health and wellness, all in an affordable and transparent cost. With over 30 different tests, you'll be able to choose the one that makes the most sense for you. Whether it's food sensitivity, that's the one my husband Jason and I did, metabolism, sleep and stress, and thyroid are just a few of the many options. Here's how it works. Everlywell ships your at-home lab tests straight to you with everything that you need for a simple collection. Using the prepaid shipping label, you mail your test back to a certified lab, and in just days, your physician-reviewed results and actionable insights are sent to your device. And you can share the results with your primary care physician to help guide your next steps. Over 1 million people have trusted EverlyWell with their at-home lab testing. And for listeners of the show, EverlyWell is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com growth. That's everlywell.com growth for 20% off your at-home lab test, everlywell.com growth. You mentioned a leadership development program at Salesforce that you've been through that had a transformative impact on you. I'm very curious about the program. It was an incredibly powerful experience. It allowed for a lot of self-reflection. There was this exercise. It was called, I think, the price of leadership or the cost of leadership. And it allowed us to look within ourselves to figure out like what had working so hard or giving oneself 
cost us. And one of the things that it made me realize was that I was kind of failing at both in the process of not working on it. It was a powerful experience. I remember crying probably for the better part of three three hours um, in the in the situation because I realized I had not shown up professionally, not shown up as a wife, as a mother, and as a daughter at a time when my dad was in failing health. And so I really checked myself and I, you know, made some decisions right then to spend some dedicated time with my dad during a summer trip that I had originally declined, but after participating in that exercise, decided to go on. Not only did I decide to go on it, I booked my travel during that session. I did. I did. My two children and I traveled to the Basque region, which is where my dad was from. And it turned out to be my dad's last trip. And so, um, so eternally grateful for the fact that we had that time together, for those memories that we created, um, and for that program that made me raise the mirror to my life and think, I have to make some changes or I'm going to lose the people that mean the most to me. And I did lose my dad. Um, shortly thereafter. I think it was a year and a half after. But the way that I showed up, the way that my children showed up in those final moments and in in his final days uh, were transformative. And I'm so thankful. I bet you don't get a lot of people crying on this podcast, but I will be your first. (laughs) Um, I think that's where the best stuff comes out. I'm a crier, so I will admit that. (laughs) So being the type A personality that you are and you have this big transformative moment and I feel like we're all familiar with having like an epiphany how do you manifest that into an actual shift in your life fighting all of those antibodies that are working against you yeah um I will say this I wish I could say I was cured You know, I wish I can say that I am all-knowing and I've developed this incredible mastery of how to balance work and life. I think over the last, you know, nearly two, well, I guess it's not quite two years, the the last 20 months, I've found myself reverting a little bit because of this deep intersection between work and life. And so one has to be, and I have to be far more conscientious about setting boundaries. I think the transformation that it has resulted in is my investment in my relationships. I feel that that has been, has come front and center. You know, who are the individuals I care most deeply about? How do I spend the most time with them? And on the flip side, how do I remove or distance myself from those individuals who don't give me the type of energy, the type of commitment that I deserve? Here at the Growth League, we love a good process or ritual. So I'm just curious if if you have a annual meeting with yourself to, to make a list or how does it work? 
So I have, you know, I go through an annual planning process. I wish I could say I have a mastery of knocking off all of those items. I don't. I absolutely don't. But I do check myself. I I have a journal right here, right next to me. And I go back to that original list quite often and kind of do a checkpoint on where I'm going. If I've where I'm going, what I've done, what I've accomplished, and what I have yet to do. One of the things that I'm most looking forward to and some time off that I'm taking is to actually go beyond just a year and think about 10 years and really being mindful and thoughtful. And I got this idea. This idea is not mine. I got it from Debbie Millman, who has this whole story around writing a 10-year plan And that's what I intend to dedicate some time to because I want to manifest. I have a great life and a a life that I'm so proud of, but I want to design an even better life. Of course. And I think thinking through, you know, what that might look like 10 years from now will help me manifest that. I mean, it's just a fun process to get to dream it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, time for the speed round. Are you ready, Marie? Mm-hmm. Okay. What daily practice that we haven't talked about yet do you think that you have that's different than what most people do? One thing that I know is different is I think about my mom and my dad every day. And my mom and dad were immigrants to this country. My dad came here with $100. And I think about them every day because they are a huge, huge source of inspiration. And they fuel me and their story fuels me. And so that is different than anyone else. I can assure you of that. (laughs) What is the biggest oops of your career? Story of when you messed up, fell down, whatever it might be, and what you took from it? Well, this is not a, it's not a career, actually. Um, It was pre-career. I actually left law school after 10 weeks. That is not a story that very many people know, actually. That was an oops, but it was actually an aha because I realized I didn't want to be there in the first place and I was there for the wrong reasons. And I'm so grateful because I can't even imagine doing that day to day. Well, I did all three years of law school and then told my parents I didn't want to practice. So I don't (laughs) know. See, that's what I was avoiding. (laughs) So good on you for that. Um, You have a daughter that's in the second half of her junior year in high school. So you've got like a year left to shove into her mind, you know, the most important life lessons that you could possibly give her. Where are you focusing? I really am trying to focus on a couple of things really want her to know who she is and what she stands for. And the other thing that I'm focused on is this incredible, incredible lesson of learning how to advocate for herself in all aspects of her life. She found herself in a situation where she did not necessarily make a team despite, you know, playing at a very competitive level. And I really, really encouraged her to solicit feedback, to 
make a case for why she felt certain things weren't handled the way that they could, they should have been. And ultimately, hopefully set her up for another attempt, another successful attempt in the following year. But teaching girls to advocate for themselves early on in their lives is so critical, particularly in the teenage years, because I think that that will result in successful 20s, even more successful 30s, and just a kick-ass 40s and 50s. Okay. I think we have a rule. I really love planning for the antibodies. What do you think? I love plan for the antibodies. I will also say another rule and a rule that I need to remind myself of too is don't take yourself so seriously. Have some fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anything else you would add to to either one of those, like give us some some parting thoughts on on both the antibodies rule and and the other one. On that have fun piece, I think, you know, one of the things that I will find I found particularly of late is that you do need to chuckle, you know, laugh at yourself a little, not to take yourself so seriously. There's so much out there. And, you know, going back to my gratitude practice, being thankful for the things that you have, but remembering to always look at those things as a way to perhaps source some humor, a smile, or a little chuckle along the way. You know, I looked this up when my son was little and we found ourselves laughing all the time, but toddlers, small children laugh like three, 400 times a day and adults laugh three times a day. It's like such a sad statistic. It is a sad statistic. And it's so funny because my daughter had, and she still does, has the best like guttural, guttural laugh. And we're lucky to be surrounded by my husband, who I think is one of the funniest humans to walk this earth. Um, And so we get to laugh a lot more than three times a day. I'm going to tell you that, Diana. (laughs) Well, that is a blessing is what it is. It is. Absolutely. Marie, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Thank you. I feel so grateful for the opportunity again and really, really appreciate the thoughtful questions. I love that rule for Marie, especially when she said that the antibodies are what can provide the most growth. You know, pinpointing the detractors in your life, whether it's a boss at work who doesn't normally go for your ideas or a bad habit of sleeping in and missing your morning workout and planning out how to avoid them can really supercharge your pathway to growth. If there are any antibodies in particular that you've already overcome and you want to share your secret with others, please make sure to come chat about it in the Facebook group dedicated to the show. The Facebook group is your place to take part in growth challenges, debate beyond my strongly held positions, and meet other amazing like-minded individuals. And for a weekly dose of inspiration, I urge you to sign up for our newsletter. The link can be found in the episode notes. If you enjoy the show and you want more like it, please make sure that you're subscribed. And if you have suggestions on how we're doing or what we could be doing better, please leave those comments in a review for the show and do include your social media handles so that we can thank you appropriately. Thank you again to Influence & Co. for sponsoring the show. If you're looking for resources to build a results-driven content marketing strategy, I highly recommend checking out Influence & Co. content marketing course. With promo code GROWTH, our listeners can get access to the course for 50% off. Visit influenceandco.com slash growth to learn more. That's it for this week's episode of the Growth League. 
I am Diana Kander, wishing you an amazing, growth-filled week. The Growth Leak is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Edie Allard, Adesua Agbanile, and Taylor Williamson. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan, and our editor is Emily Rudder. When the sun goes down at the world's leading business school, the faculty speaks their mind. Harvard professors Young Me, Me Here, and Felix are host of After Hours, a podcast from TED. Each week, they catch up after work to dish on topics torn straight from the headlines, from Facebook to free trade or how to buy happiness. Think of it as professors and cars having coffee. This season, holiday travel headaches, chicken sandwich wars, and their big predictions for 2022. Get ahead of the trends and find After Hours wherever you listen.